Welcome back to Clear Talk. I'm your host, Armin Shafi. This is my co-host. <laughs> and this is the number one show for coaches, Danny Clarity. And we go live every single Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time to answer your questions around coaching, mindset, and marketing so that you can get your help and get your message out there. The big question that this show answers is how do coaches like us who put everything, who started with nothing and put everything online to build a business around helping other people break through and get results, how do we go out there and get our message across in the world and in the, in the marketplace? How do we get clients consistently while all making a difference in the world? That is the question, and this show will give you the answer. Welcome back. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button with that little notification bell. If you want more content around how to grow your coaching business, I even have a YouTube playlist around free training for coaches. Every single roadblock you have, I've made a training on it so I can help you guys out. And then also, if you're on Facebook, drop a comment down below. Holler at us. Say something in the comments. Hit the like button. Let us know you're here. And uh, the more engagement you give us, the more feedback you give us, the more better the content is. Let's hop right into questions so we can get to the juicy stuff. Okay, great. Cool? Yes. Okay. So question number one. Um, if you were with us last week, these I said at the end of the episode. So I'm a bit cautious about coaching my target audience because they're individuals who are at risk of relapse, etc. What if they don't have long-lasting change? That question is brought to us by... So, um, your worry about not having long-lasting change, is it because the clients that they're... They're at technically, uh, they, they're technically at risk of like relapsing. So, we can assume that that means this is a, a rehabilitation course of some yeah. sort, Yeah. technically. First of all, that wouldn't be coach. I mean, it could be coaching, but you're really, you're in the medical field or psychiatry field if you're doing that. But, my only answer to this is simple. Um... Your own doubt, in like your own uncertainty, in the long-lasting change is the only problem. Okay, um, if you're unconfident or uncertain or doubtful about your ability to get the result for that person and to be so good at what you do, having obsessed over how you do it so well to help make sure you understand every single thing that, that your client's going through to help them get that result, that is your job. Okay, that's your fault. So if you're uncertain about it, what if? What if? Like it, the question is, what if they what? Yeah, relapse, I'm bit, right? I'm a bit cautious about coaching my target audience because they're individuals who are at risk of relapse. What if they don't have long-lasting change? So again, the caution could come just from the fear of what, what will happen. Again, for you, might, you might just like choose a different target audience if you're not certain about it because there are people out there in the world that will take the most extreme version of a client and change their like. Look at Tony Robbins; he'll take someone suicidal, literally going to kill themselves in his seminar right there. Um, they're like going to do it tonight and he's going to, he just takes them on like nonchalantly because he has so much certainty in his ability to produce results. So that is a gauge you need to measure with yourself. Honestly, you got to ask yourself, am I ready for that? Okay. When I started five years ago in, in transformational coaching, um, I, the only thing I did have is a lot of passion and certainty. So although I was uncertain in my abilities to help, I, it didn't stop me. So I had no fear or doubt. I would still go out there and, and coach a lot of people and just try to help them out. And if I didn't, I'd work with them until I got it. And if I didn't get it, after even hours and hours and hours, I would go research why I didn't get it and figure it out. That is your du du uh, duty as a, as a coach, right? 
So there's no what if or what if. There is no ability. Uh, there is no reality where you don't get the result. There's something that Tony said like five years ago that changed my life. Um, and I realized because if I wanted to like be like him, because at that time I was just starting out as a kid. I'm like, I want this is my idol. Mm-hmm. There's something I realized. I'm like, I have to adopt all of his beliefs. I have to literally think the exact same way as Tony if I want to be as good as him, as yeah. confident as him, as successful as him. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest beliefs I think I took from watching him in interviews, so I would watch him and study him to see what his beliefs were, is he said um, he, he believes wholeheartedly deep down inside that if there's a will, there's a way. And that there is nothing that is impossible. Absolutely. So, and he says this in his I'm Not Your Guru documentary. He goes, when there's a will, there's a way. If I'm willing, no matter what, I'll find a way to break them through. Because the person goes, how do you not know if you're giving them the wrong advice? How do you do that? Like, what if you mess up? He goes, if there's a will, there's a way. There's no reality where I don't help this person. Mm -hmm. There's no reality. So you got to start adopting that belief in your own mind if you're uncertain about your ability to produce results. You have to start adopting that belief. That is a personal development. That's a mindset thing. Okay. Um, obviously, when you get more results, it reinstates that belief. But the belief has to start with faith, which means you don't have any. You got to start from just believing in it, because you're convincing yourself that you are willing and able, no matter what, to get to work until you get the result. That's how I started. So there is no look. The same. What if you have about what if they don't get la- lasting change? What if they do? Another technique I used a lot when I was starting out and had a lot of doubt is I would just doubt the doubt. Like when it comes to like, what if it doesn't work out? Like, well, what if it does? Just doubt the doubt. Yeah, it's another big thing you can do that can help you out. Yeah. I have a follow-up question to that, Armin. So you've actually coached a lot of people who were, let's say, at risk. So when approaching that uh, at-risk, at-risk circumstance, so this could mean, you know, they, if we're talking about relapse, you know, we can talk addicts, we can talk suicidal, people with depression, et cetera, those who are quote-unquote at risk, which, you know, might mean that they may need to go to a hospital or get a third-party service or something like that, rehab, whatever. So you dealt with some people like that. You'd say, yeah. What would you say is the is the difference maker for you? Was it just that belief? Like, I'll change them no matter what? Was it empathy? How did you approach that situation a little bit well, differently? Personal belief were? system versus what I'm, method that I'm using with them. Because empathy is a method. It's not a personal belief system. So what are you exactly asking? Well, okay. specifically then, what... So how can this anonymous the, person the go cor- into their next session? For me to have the courage yeah. to work with someone at, at a high risk... Mm-hmm. It, it requires that belief. Yeah. That if there is a will, there is a way. There is no reality where I do not help this person. Okay. So I have committed to never stop until until I get a result. Mm-hmm. That is a personal thing. I don't need the client to do anything for me or a circumstance to change that. That's a personal decision. Yeah. Um, so to require the requirement to be able to have the confidence to do that mm-hmm. is internal. Okay. Methodically, there's obviously everyone has a different thing. You have to gate the client, right? Obviously, I've worked with people who are on the uh, depression, multiple depression. Uh, I've worked with suicidal, and thankfully, um, I've saved a handful of people that sense um, that hasn't done it to this day. Still grateful. Um, I work with addicts, um, and again, I'm not licensed therapist, nothing like that. I'm not a psychiatrist. What I'm saying is, I didn't take them on as a as a medical or psychiatric client. What I'm saying is, they came with forms of addiction that I did not know about mm-hmm. for educational coaching or life coaching. And when I worked with them, I realized that these are the problems. So I gave them educational suggestions. I cannot, I cannot, they were not a professional client, I'm mm-hmm, saying. Mm-hmm. So they went, maybe came to a seminar and that was a very generic educational seminar. But I helped them in that sense because they stood up and talked to me. Yeah. So there's been porn addictions, there's been drug addictions. 
I have, I have, and I'm gonna be honest. I've never have I ever worked with. Never have I worked with the medically, like diagnosed addiction. Okay. 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 It's not right. It's not. It's not my profession. It's mm-hmm. not what I do. Mm-hmm. Can I help? Probably sure I can. The modalities I understand could probably help them. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. It's not my field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, just because I understand the problem and I know I can fix in some way some of the things doesn't mean that is my field. That's not. Of course. Right? I'm in the field where people have personal issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Personal internal issues, mental issues, not mental in terms of psychiatric or yes. well, psychiatric borderline, but not medical. Got it. More so in the mindset stage. Got it. But there's just a lot of fear and doubt and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Now, if that gets out of control, it turns into some type of psychiatric medical mm-hmm. issue, okay? Mm-hmm. So beyond a certain point, I don't, no, I don't do that. As a transformation coach, I don't work with that. Yeah, going on? Oh, it's a, it's a notification. Um, so, so it, you have to gauge, right? So I've worked with those kinds of like high, high risk people, very extreme yeah. situations. And what I found works really well is there is a process. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the process. Okay. And people in that sense always need understanding. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just go into like, you're doing this wrong. Like, no, no, no. Like they have to, f- they need validation mm-hmm. that they're not crazy. Yep. That's the first step. You know, like they have to all, every time I've worked with a very, very, crazy critical risk person they have to val- they need validation from someone that they like trust and respect that they're not going crazy and that what they're going through is okay mm-hmm. like they need some form of like reassurance like it's okay yeah. you're not the only one it's totally normal like mm-hmm. every time I work with depression people addiction people to like maybe minor things like like marijuana or like alcohol or something like mm-hmm. not that serious you know uh, yeah yeah or uh, suicidal <laughs> I've worked with as well the, the most effective first step I've ever taken is just make them totally feel like it's normal, it's okay, yeah. it's totally easy to fix. And then that comfort, that empathy, that is definitely a foundation for actually getting uh, getting them to break through. Then you go into understanding what is the source of the problem. Mm-hmm. So my results have come from being very good at intelligently problem sourcing. Got it. But that's really what coaching is. If you don't understand how to get to the source, of the root of something, then mm-hmm. you're not really a good coach. Like you're just asking questions, hoping on a surface level, it'll, they'll get some idea. Yeah. Maybe they accidentally might. That's what therapy kind of is. Um, and so, but more so, I'm like more direct, like I'm definite towards like there is a root belief, mm-hmm. some form of experience that has caused this branch of, branches of different experiences in life. Yeah. So then after they feel felt understood, then you go into the um, seeking to understand where the problem is sourcing. Mm-hmm. And it always comes from within and it always comes from a younger age. Oh, like... Like, undoubtedly, yeah. without exception, it always comes from the childhood, and it always comes from within. It mm-hmm. is, and within what I mean is, if from childhood, someone put it there. Yeah, yeah. And it is, and here's another one. In fact, let me reframe what I just said. It's not always come from within. It's always come from someone who put it in them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it always came from that childhood. Yeah. That doesn't mean if you're older, like at 20, they could have gone through something as well. It doesn't mean like someone could have been raped. I've dealt with lots of people like this. Um, that could. Your whole life could be fine, and then at twenty, that happens. You're like, screw it. Okay. Yeah. Yes, but majority of the time, it has always come from the childhood, and it has always come from parents, friends, something that someone put in them. Mm-hmm. And the most, the the most strongest pattern I've seen amongst all these people is that they believe it's them yeah. that's causing their own problem. And I'm like, it's the first thing I do is like, is not you. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. Like you're a product. You're a byproduct of oh, something always, messed up. Yeah. And so because they've never thought like that, because yeah. that also those people that put it into them also made them feel like it's yeah. their problem, yeah. like you're messed up. Yeah. They have no way out. That's why they feel depression. That's why they feel suicidal. That's because they have no way out. So like it, 
take a person, any person, and tell them that today sucks crazy. Like today sucks. Tomorrow's gonna be worse, and every day after that's gonna it's be gonna worse. Be worse. <laughs> How do you expect that person to have hope or joy or like yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like that that belief that today sucks and tomorrow's going to be worse has to change. Mm -hmm. By going backwards and figuring out how, where it started and then realizing there was a time where it wasn't like this. Yeah. Taking them back to that state and then they embody that. So it's very complex. It's not like I can't just tell you in five seconds. But, of course. But does that answer your question? Like in terms yes. Of, yeah. yeah. So I just, uh, so just to give you guys some context, I just wanted to give you, my anonymous friend, a base to start with where you're potentially feeling with things. Um, and just from my own personal experience, having worked with some people in different areas, you know, based on the show before, you, I feel like I've talked about my own personal history of mental illness, um, which doesn't necessarily translate to, to uh, what, what I'm assuming is drug addiction, but it can be similar. So, you know, people can relapse and uh, potentially uh, attempt again. They can relapse with self, various forms of self-harm. Um, I, would, I would argue addiction kind of falls under that umbrella. But more, more often than not, right, as a coach, you have to ask yourself where you're willing and what you want to do and step into the journey. If you feel like this is past you and you'd like to recommend it to somebody else or, uh, you know, a third-party service, a hospital, a rehab center, a clinic, etc., don't be afraid to make that decision, right? You have to ask yourself what level at which, you know, you are comfortable with as an individual, as a coach. And the second, or I would argue maybe even the first, is to see where the client's at before you even ask yourself and see if they're at a position where they are open to open and willing to be there for your coaching and expertise, or if they need to do something that's a little bit more extreme, right? Ask yourself, be very, very honest with yourself about, you know, the pro the client themselves and yourself throughout the process. If it's above you, then give it to somebody else and educate them and let them go with grace so they can find power in the decision that they make next. If it's not going to be you, maybe it's going to be help um, that will benefit them overall. So ask yourself that question as well. Cool. Okay, awesome. Next question we have. How do I get over comparing myself to other coaches? No matter what I do, I keep seeing what other people in my niche are doing, and I want to change or adjust things. That question is from Brenda L. So what was the first part of the question? Because that was the actual question. Yeah. How do I get over comparing myself to other coaches? What was the second half? Because in what context? No matter what I do, I keep seeing what other people in my niche are doing, and I want to change or adjust things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? So differentiation in the marketplace is not necessary. Oh. It's not. It's not necessary. Like it's, you don't have you to. You mean I it. don't have to stand out, Armin? No. Not if you're high ticket. Okay. Not if you're high ticket. Not not for short term. For long term, yes. But not for short term. Um, do you know how many people are business coaches and do exactly what I do? I know because I studied them. Like I, I bought some of their programs. I studied them from the outside. I watch every one of the videos. Like that's that's not comparison. That's that's called market research. So what you're doing is market research. You got to reframe your thinking around it. It's not comparison. You got to know what your other people in your niches are doing. Yeah. You have to know. That's called market research. You see what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's mm -hmm. the whole point. Um, but it doesn't matter because let's say there's this pool of clients, right? Like a prospects. A portion of them are gonna work. Uh, they're gonna be more connected to your messaging. Than them. When you learn to niche, competition doesn't matter. Did you hear that? I did. That was a nugget. 
I did? What? When you learn to mix, the competition doesn't matter. That's Tell me more! That is, that's a gold bar right there. Tell me more, Armin. When you niche, the very essence of niching means it is your slice of the pie. Mm. So here's another thing. You're not really niched if you have competitors, but that's not really true. <laughs> I wanted to say that. That'd be a very powerful statement, but it's not true because yeah. there's always going to be people in. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But technically, when you construct a niche, when you design your own niche, you are taking that separate angle. Make sense? So, like, there might be another business coach out there, right? That sells how to build your business to coaches. But their angle might be all about money orientation, money focused. Or maybe they're more, like, marketing focused. Maybe they're more sales focused. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're more, maybe their personality is more harsh. Maybe their personality is more like, no, it's okay, take your time. Maybe their personality is really funny. Like, all of those things completely change the dynamic of what kind of people they're going to attract in the marketplace. Right? Yeah. Maybe their messaging is more focused on freedom because they have a family, mm. right? Maybe their messaging is more focused on uh, luxury because they're young and they don't want to show you how to get a Ferrari. I don't know. You know, maybe their messaging is more directed towards just being the best because yeah. they want to grow a long-term business. So their message is going to talk to those people that want that. Maybe their message is about how to quit your job. You know, like you have a full-time thing, uh, full-time job, you want to quit it to go full-time coaching. I mean, their whole business is, their messaging and their offers based around how to quit your job. Like, they're attacking a different pain point, different avatar, different client, different everything. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, so because everyone has their own unique perspective, their own unique personality, like, they're going to attract different types of people. Mm-hmm. You know how many people I get that book a call in my office and join my program that also saw some of the giants in the industry? You know, um, literally, I get this time and time again. Um, Sam Ovens is an incredible, he's one of the, arguably probably the best in the world uh, in this industry for, for building a consulting business, right? And that encompasses very similarly to what I do, okay? He's been around for like seven or eight years, mm-hmm. seven or eight years, like probably more. He was like a millionaire by 21, wow. selling consulting. Yeah. Then he built a course and a program around consulting. His prices um, are even like comparatively uh, competitive to mine. Like there's so many reasons why you would do Sam Ovens, Okay. But I still get people booking a call in my office like, hey, man, I, I booked a call with theirs. I talked to their team, but I, I, I was attracted to your marketing, like your your messaging, your you, and I want to do your program. So basically, if you're like, what? Does it really matter if you're not the best or if you're not different or if you're not – like obviously, I'm different. I'm saying, but like that there is competition, I'm saying, does it matter? No, it doesn't mm-hmm. because that's coming from a lack of mindset. Like you actually think there's not enough people in the world for everyone to have enough clients to hit their financial goals. That's so false. There is more than enough people in one marketplace for everybody to hit their goals. It's just a matter of, are you good at getting them? Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to worry about competition when it comes, if you're sub 1 million, if you're less than a million dollars, you don't have to worry about competition because at high ticket, if you're selling a five or $10,000 thing, that's only a few hundred clients to hit a million dollars in your business. That's nothing. That's like, that's like a fraction of a fraction in the marketplace of people. Okay. Now, if you're trying to get to 10 million, 20, 30 million, then it matters. Yeah. Because at five or 10 million, now you're you're getting in front of a lot of people. Yeah. So you start becoming a name in the marketplace that they see amongst all the other people dropping that kind of money in advertising to get their name out there. In that scenario, of course, you have to now get really creative. That's now you're competing with competitors that are intelligent and talented just like you. 
So the only way you get there anyway is if you get really good at what you do. And that means everyone at that level is really good at what they do. So at that point, now it matters. But it does not matter when you're just starting out and you're just offering something in a marketplace. You want to hit a couple clients and make 10, 20K. It doesn't matter. Now, assuming you wanted to get past the million to three, to five, to 10, sure. Now let's talk different. Yeah. In that sense, it takes more analysis about your context of where you're at for it to matter. Like, to me, that matters. That's why I've done, that's why I'm patient because I'm not trying to make a quick buck. For the first three, four months in my, in my business online, I didn't really, ate, I, didn't, I wasn't able to make money for the first year. Right, but we still made a lot of money in, in the last quarter of the year last year. But the first three quarters, I didn't care. I didn't make that much. I didn't care yeah. because I know I'm setting up a business to go over 10 million plus. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to make sure everything. I've thought about 17, 15, 20 steps ahead. Okay, but if but I work with a lot of coaches. Not everyone wants that. You know, some people just want to hit the 50k mark and uh, do that over and over. That's six hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's whatever ten clients or five clients depending on your price point, and that's like heaven. You work with people you like, you have a good program, you're leveraging your time, and you make a lot, you make more money. The, the average person doesn't need a lot of money to live their dream. I remember doing the math once. When I was uh, 20 years old, my, my dream car was an RA, and I wanted to live in a $4 million penthouse condo in Vancouver. That was my goal. I'm like, okay, I did the math. I actually did the math. It only costed $21,000 to have that yeah. a, a month. I'm like, what? That's it? That's actually it? It cost maybe two to three grand yeah. for an RA, the one I wanted. For the payments and the insurance, maybe four grand. Let's just say. Yeah. The the million dollar con the four million dollar condo. If I mortgaged it, it would have been like whatever five or ten grand. I would have run to ten grand or something. Even if I rented, it would have been around ten grand, right? Yeah. But I don't think they would rent it or lease it. Um, and so that's like only fifteen so far, just an expense for a car and a thing. And that was like my I was like my dream. I'm like wow. I'm like if I even spent two thousand to three thousand dollars a month on like clothes, yeah. And I wasn't like you know I didn't really care about maybe maybe I was naive then. Maybe then. clothes are very, very expensive <laughs> now that I look at it. But yeah. let's just say I spent even five. That's only twenty. Yeah. And then like food or whatever gets fit into that. Like I'm like twenty five grand, so I need to make what thirty five before tax. I'm like, like are you joking? At fifty k a month, you could live like a millionaire. You could look like a millionaire, right? So a lot of people like they don't need that much, you know. So if your goals are smaller and you're not trying to crack and crack the you know the code and be the best it doesn't matter competition doesn't matter it actually does not matter it only matters at scale you see what i'm saying it only matters at scale not in the beginning everyone is looking for someone like that when i started again five years ago i'm like i want to build a business around transformation coach breakthrough coach i'm like tony robbins is the best though but you know what dawned upon me tony someone in my neighborhood doesn't know who tony robbins is i'm like the people down the street don't know who tony robbins is a lot of people i know can't afford two grand to go to a seminar to get general coaching from him in a seminar i'm like so what can i offer that he can't very personalized, attentive one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. with the same kind of results. I'm like, okay, so I just got to get really good and then get those people that can't go to him, they go to me. And some people like me better than him. Some people like him better than me because everyone has their own style. You know what I'm saying? So don't busy your mind with nonsense. Like competition does not matter. The only thing, the only reason why competition becomes relevant to you is if you're doing market research to find out what they're doing that works to see how you're different, like essentially messaging what your unique position is. Example. I'll look up and I'll see five different of my top competitors, 10 different competitors. I'm like, this is how they're angling their offer. This is what they're saying, what point points they're, their pain points they're focused on, all that stuff. And I'll make a list of them. And I'll be like, where do I sit in the middle of all this? I'm not doing it because I'm like, I want to be different. I'm just saying, yeah. do I connect with this person more? Or is that what I'm trying to say? Or, or I disagree with all of them. I'm trying to find out for market research. Not because I feel inferior and like, oh, there's all these people no one's going to pay for me. That's not true. It's just BS. It's all BS in your head. Okay, so market research is the only reason why you look at people, not because you need to differentiate. Differentiation happens. Like One of our clients, uh, Daniel, he, 
He grew to 20, 30 grand a month selling from scratch, by the way. Never didn't coach ever in his life. And never having a business ever in his life. Like yeah. literally we took the, he was like a toddler baby. We took him, we grew him up and now he's like this CEO. He has like four staff members. He has like students. Shout out Daniel. Yeah, he's like, I'm very, really proud of him. That happened within three, four months. Like that's crazy. Um, and uh, his method, his differentiation is that he teaches people who stutter how to overcome stuttering through public speaking instead of speech therapy. Public speaking is not his thing. It's a thing, right? It doesn't matter. Differentiation does not matter in that sense. He just knows that it's different to them. He yeah. found a market that's different to them. He doesn't care about his competitors. And his competitors are funny. They don't do anything like it. But he didn't know that. He wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. He just thought, what is my method? So if you have a method for how you help your clients, that's all you should think about in the beginning. As you grow, now you got to get creative because now you're working, you're, you're sharing the market of attention with other people that are really good just like you to help those clients. So now you are battling for a client. Okay, but not in a small, not less than a million, I'm trying to say. Anything up to a million doesn't actually matter. Like you're, you're still a small piece of the market. When you get to doing a million, two, three million a year or even beyond, like a million a month, for example, a lot of, some of my friends are like this. Now you're really buying and competing with market share attention because who's, who, who's, Whose face is everyone seeing the most? Yeah. At that level, of course, you can't just be like, I do this generic thing. No, you got to get creative. Mm-hmm. That level, you got to create a new angle. You maybe got to call it something different. You got to angle yourself so it seems like a new opportunity because at that level, it's a make or break of they're going to be more curious about your thing or their thing. Mm-hmm. Not in the beginning. That's my answer. Awesome. Yeah. Good answer. So we've got a question from Adam in the comments. What do you think is the limit to the amount of revenue you can make from a coaching business? With only a small team, not someone like Tony Robbins with a massive team. Oh, that's an easy one. Up to $20 million plus a year. Less than 10 people, you can make You can make up to $20 million. How do I know? I know people who do that. <laughs> like seven people in their team. Yeah. Two good sales reps, one client success management team uh, person, takes care of all the clients. Um using the students in the program to be some coaches because they're really good and they appreciate the, the program and a couple content and, and a few other people for content creation, video editing, that's it. That's it. Literally, that's it. My um, my team it has the capacity of growing to multiple eight figures, right? Doesn't mean we're not going to hire people. We probably are. Um, but I can get with just Jeanette, Lauren, Imad, Isaiah, and even Upton with like filming, I can easily get to $10 million in business. So, so that's the that's the beauty of high ticket, by the way, and the beauty of online. Notice how Tony only does one; he does high ticket, but he doesn't have online. That's the beauty. Yeah, it. He yeah, he doesn't have any online. Like barely has any online. He doesn't sell anything online. He just sells tickets to go somewhere, right? So think about it this way, though: his team could be one tenth of the size now that he does Zoom. Yeah, genuinely, right? When I was running, think about this. Actually, you know what's crazy? Comparison. Last year, we had a higher profit margin in our business going online with less people. Then I did three years combined in running seminars. We did a lot of revenue, right? We did like close to 900 grand in seminar ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So like 10Ks, 2Ks, whatever. But you know how many people I, I managed? Like 10 to 15. <laughs> so I would have a core team, right? I have the head of events. I had the head of ops here. Yeah. I had my marketing. So I had like a five, six person core team. Same, sorry, same four to five people core team that we have now. Yeah. Essentially, right? But there was an extra slab of 10 to 15 people that were volunteers. Yep. That were extracurricular, like for event stuff. Yep. And um, like 
depending on the event size, depending on the location. Workload was crazy. We would have more tea, like, like at Reborn last year, how many people were on the media team? About four? Four on just media. On just shooting. We had Volunteer, three or four cameras. Volunteers, we had 12. We had 12 volunteers. The team itself was four team was like four another or five, five of us. Yeah. Um, it's like 20 people. Not in, Obviously, we're not including guest speakers, which technically have to be managed as well throughout that event fulfillment. So that was about five people. So like one weekend, let's say our, our team to deliver to our clients could have been between 20 to 30 people. And the most I've ever made in a weekend in sales with the coaching seminar is like 130 grand 150? or something. No, not one fifty. I probably had like one thirty to forty. Yeah. But here's the thing, that was one week of sure. That was months of work. Months. <laughs> Twenty people. Okay, let's watch. Months this of work, organization, communication, meetings. Yeah, yeah. Now watch this. In last November, in November, I just passed. We did a hundred thousand. The profit on that hundred thousand. <laughs> the workload. The profit on the hundred thousand was exponentially more. Yeah. Okay, so we didn't make as much as an event. Yep. Right. Yep. But we also like barely did much. We yeah. just re like we sold just higher ticket mm -hmm. and just say solved the bigger problem. Yeah. And we did it in a more efficient way. Yeah. So that hundred grand made me more in profit to put back into my team. Everyone got bonus checks and we just took care of like quality of life increased with that hundred grand online versus the hundred and forty thirty with yeah. reborns. Yeah. And so here's the crazy part. I did it with one fourth of the team with like even I would say, one, like a quarter of the workload in terms of like even delivering what I sold in, yeah. in, in, in the that. elite packages. You could say because that. that doesn't suffice to months of marketing yeah. and event. Okay, so, so why why do you think I'm <laughs> online now? Like I'm only going to do events for marketing purposes and for literally connection, not for because it's not because yeah. it's a good business model. Even Tony has a terrible business model. Like these guys have to do, like they're a mammoth. Yeah. So when COVID hit, they died, literally died. Like there is no, they're not making anything. I know the events making. pay for everything. If you think about it, like ticket sales to the event and the fulfillment of the event pays for everything that went into the organizing the event. So the only way you make money <laughs> is by selling something in the back end. And Tony only makes his profit in like the back end selling 10 K mastery university. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like, but if the beauty of an online is that because it's so much leaner in the front, you can actually make money in the front exactly. with high ticket, with high ticket. Yeah. If you're selling something less than a two grand, like it's a low ticket thing, then you, again, you can't expect profit. Doesn't mean you can't make profit, but you shouldn't expect it because the money should come in the upsell in the back end uh, for people to work closer with you. So, moral of the story is <laughs> I just cut to the most profitable, effective, and the best client results part of the business, and I just focused on building something around that. Yeah. Which side to your coaching. Um, yeah. Awesome. Does that answer your question, Adam? If you're still here, Adam, let us know. What's the next question? The next question is, can you be too niche? For example, I think I'm spending too much time looking at every analytic and taking note of all of the numbers, and it's overwhelming. That question is from Katie P. Can you be too? Niche. What does analytics have to do with niche? Like, I think she's talking like the, um, I don't know, maybe just analytics on Read social. Read it one more time. Can you be too niche? For example, I think I'm spending too much time looking at every analytic and taking note of all the numbers, and it's overwhelming. That's so maybe she's maybe niche. she's talking demographic numbers, like this. No, woman, that's not niche. This person between. Oh yeah. No. Uh, nah. Oh yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Tell me more, Armin. Tell me more. Tell me more. Did you do it all wrong? But that's actually one of my questions later on too. So this is uh, this is a common thing, I guess, in the marketplace. That niching is... I say, go find your niche. Go, okay, women, 40 to 75. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. 
Literally, the next question, the next question, yeah, one of the yeah, questions yeah. that I have is, I have a coaching program that can help anyone. Is it necessary for me to target only men, female, age demographics, and the usual theoretical demographic okay, okay, ranges okay. still? So, look, there's two parts to a niche. Okay. Only one half of it is demographic, which is, like, who specifically, like, demographically do you want to help? Because mm-hmm. maybe a program is only for women, for mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not really niche. Like, that's half the population. So, what's niching, Armin? The other half is psychographic, which is way more important. That's the answer. Okay? Way more important. Psychographic uh, niching is knowing what problem or current state are you niched in to fix. You know what I'm saying? I do. I I learned that psychographics don't change. They keep Always the same. And every type, and multiple different types of people can have it. What's a niche? What's a niche? You're going to get clear. Again, again, ready for this? Watch this. Break it down. I barely think about demographics for SGC. Like, we have 25 to 45 because from results we saw that most of our clients come from 25 to 45 year age. Yeah. Or sorry, 25 to 50 year age. Yeah. Anything over, we find it's a little bit outside of our comfort zone of people we want to work with than anything less. No, but we have some we people. We still get. We still we, get. We got some people under 25 that are crushing it, 20, 20 30K, like mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. But and they we can, got some 50 plusers. Yeah. Yeah, we do, 100%. Yeah. My point is, though, um, that the, the cream of the crop for us is we found it was 25 to 50. But I think that's the only demographic-based argument we did. I still go to men, women. Um, I, I, I go, I, I don't, it's not niching to choose a country. Yeah. But you might think of this. Um, okay, here, let me put it to you this way. Niche is about specificity, but not in demographical stuff. It's not just that. Like, if you do wow. that, you still don't understand what you're doing. You need to start with psychographic. Mm. So I have to first think about like who, which market do I want to be the niche? Do I want my niche to be in? I'm like, there's speakers, there's consultants, there's coaches, there's course creators, there's leaders, there are entrepreneurs. And if you, by the way, if you don't know the difference between all, and in your marketing you say, attention all coaches, speakers, entrepreneurs, you have no idea what you're doing. I'm serious. There's no, there is no way (laughs) you are accommodating. There's so many different industries. There's no way. And yeah. the, uh, the only time I see that happening is with amateurs. I don't care. Or it's like widespread. It's like really amateurs that just think if they just say more people in their title, more people will buy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. That's that. And then there's like you've gotten so large and like tapped oversaturated your version of a niche that you just wind up your program to be like anyone who wants to learn something like this can come now. Again, that's I don't actually think that's smart, but I've seen people pass 10 million do that. I don't think it's smart. It hurts the program, hurts the community, and it hurts your team. Yeah. Because it gets confusing. Yeah. It's actually smart to just create um, a, a lower ticket product for that, a different niche to educate them to become this niche. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. But example, like, is is as she said about helping coaches that are that are struggling to grow their business scale through automation, high ticket char- uh, packages, and uh, and uh, leveraging like time and money through webinar and all that stuff. So that means we're primarily trying to work with coaches that already have a business that just are hitting a ceiling of 5, 10K a month, right? And we want to get them to the next level, 50K plus. But um, doesn't mean we don't have beginners in our program. We do, but it's not our expertise. Like, it's not our place. That's not the program is built for. You see what I'm saying? But if I want to hit that market of like, hey, you guys want to think about being a coach? Or, or if you're a speaker and want to get into coaching? Or if you're a mm-hmm. consultant, okay. Then I probably create like a couple thousand dollar course, like a, a course that's worth a couple thousand bucks. That shows them how to start a business yeah. in coaching. Like how to choose this, choose that, get your first client. Because that's getting them into the market of becoming my higher level ticket client, mm-hmm. which is for my SGC program. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, 
So that's really stupid to put multiple different names. I don't care if you're – and here's the problem. The only people that do do that are marketers because they go, well, marketing implies everything. I know, but you're just confused. Like you don't know who you actually want to help. And, you just, and, and if you can't look at your actual results and see who am I attracting the most that I work best with yeah. and you're not niching to that person psychographically, which mar- – sorry, demographically would be the market. But psychographically, what problem am I solving the most and for what profession? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That becomes a really good niche. So think of it like this. There's three major markets we've talked about this. Health, wealth, relationships. Inside that market, that's, that's our niche as a market. Inside that market, there are sub-markets. That's what we call a niche to some degree. But I think we could go more specific but just intelligently. Inside of, for example, um, real estate, there is the person who flips homes. There's a person who rents uh, rent to own. There's a person who invests just properties. There's a person who sells it, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are all sub-niches. Within that now, that's the most demographic I focus on, which is the market and the sub-market. So inside there and what inside there are the, the person I want to work with is doing. Mm-hmm. What are they trying? But psychographic is about, okay, what is that person's goal? Mm-hmm. What is their desire that they're working towards that I know I can help them get? Mm-hmm. What is the problem they're facing that I know I can, how to solve? Mm-hmm. And is the problem high ticket, right? This is all training we have in the program. Um, and, and do I relate to this person? Like, It'd be really dumb for me to make a parenting course. I don't have kids. You know what I'm saying? That's something that, that I want to do. That he knows of. Just joking. <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. help it. <laughs> All right. Dumb joke. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Okay. I, sh- I clearly shouldn't make a comedy course. Because no one's laughing at my bad jokes. Don't make a comedy course. <laughs> It'd be stupid for a guy to get into pregnancy coaching. You get what I'm saying? Okay, I'm just being honest. These are obvious things. So find a market and a sub-market that you actually know something in. And then inside there, choose the person with the psychographic that you relate to the most. And what is the smartest and the easiest way to do it is just choose a problem, a big problem that you know you can solve. Yeah. So in coaching, for example, there, there's the market of online. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's, that's the whole market, making money through online business and selling Absolutely. something online. Okay. Mm-hmm. Inside that market, there's coaches. Yeah. It's my sub-market. There's a sub-market called coaches. Yeah. Within even there, there's even another version, another level, which is there's coaches trying webinars. There's coaches trying uh, organic. There's coaches trying seminars. There's coaches doing one-on-one. There's coaches that are certified. Mm-hmm. And so I even go one more level deep. This is called levels of targeting inside the market. And yeah. I don't want to confuse you because if you're watching this, like I have a whole in-depth training video on this in the program. And if I tried to explain to you, I would do a disservice because you won't really get it if you don't see the examples and analogies I use in the program. And I can't do it now. Mm-hmm. So just understand that there is three levels of marketing. There is the, the, the everyday person is very generic. Then it's a little bit more niche. Then it's really niche like person's actively trying to do what you can teach what yeah. you can help them do yeah. and uh and they just don't know you exist or haven't tried your thing yet so i specifically niched at first to just anyone that's a coach and a speaker because i did seminars or whatever yeah then i'm like no not speakers just coaches yeah then i wanted to coach to my nerd just coaches doing organic stuff online mm-hmm. so coaches who are depending on referrals and trying to find clients by trading time for money now i'm really niche mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but psychographically what's the problem they're having lack of time like, I understand my buyer, you know, my, my prospect. Lack of time, yeah. ceiling of income, because mm-hmm. they can't, every, t- every time they make more money, they have to trade more time, so they, they at one point they hit a ceiling, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They feel burnout. They feel alone. Maybe they're unclear with their offer. They're attracting the wrong clients. Why? Because, again, they have no understanding around psychographically. They're getting the wrong people. Mm-hmm. They're charging less. These are all psychographic things. They're doing things mentally that are that are different than what I know I can help them fix. Okay. So I would start with 
it's much easier for me to go, who do I connect to, connect to the most? Who, which problem that, that a person is having can I fix? And then find a market where those people are probably having that problem the most. Okay. Or if you're, if you're in like a generic uh, coaching skill. And we did this with, with Gazzy. She's in our program. She's a, she's a passion coach. So we helped her develop her program, help her develop her webinar, helped her to, uh, grow a group and an audience and get her first client. She closed her first $2,500 client, uh, $2, client the other day. Um, beta client. It's so unfair that he gets to go pee, but I can't. Like I'm like holding it as heavy duty right now. Oh no! Yeah, it's crazy. So, so we helped her do this, and she's like, at first when she came to me, she's like, I'm selling one hundred dollar hour sessions. Yep. Okay, that's what she was doing. Yes, she was. And uh, she's like, I'm selling life coaching. Yep. And I'm like, but what do you mean? She's like a breakthrough session. She just helps them figure out the limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but guys, you can't just like that's really like. It, it, I mean, you're getting some clients, but like if you want to get high ticket, like five to ten k, and build a business. You have to, to some degree, understand what is your new, uh, what is your specific niche that you're focused on. So I'm like, you're good at overcoming the many beliefs. That's what her skill was. Okay. So we reverse engineer. I'm like, well, who do you connect to the most? At first, she said students, but then we realized that you can't choose a market as well. They can't pay you. So we went to professionals, people who are just miserable in their job. Okay. Um, and 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 so sorry, older people like that or have jobs to everyday person. Okay. Then I go, well, when it comes to limiting beliefs, well, who specifically have you been working with or? What prop? What limiting beliefs specifically are you passionate about mm-hmm. overcoming? Because like there might be a limiting belief about your willingness to date somebody, or willingness to start something, or willingness to lose weight. These are all different forms. It's another Absolutely. psychographic niche of your skill. Absolutely. See how deep we can go. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So with her, we boiled it down to she's like I used to have a job that I hated, and I and I started to pursue my passion and like become my own entrepreneur. I'm mm-hmm. like, great. So so is that something you're passionate about? She goes, yeah. I go, okay, so why don't you become a coach helping people overcome learning beliefs that are stopping them from finding their passion? Yep. And so that became her entire business niche. Wow. Her niche became, I help um, uh, employees and professionals, professionals overcome their limiting beliefs so they can find their passion. So they can find their passion without like soul searching and like, you know, YouTube videos and all this stuff. By, and we, we created her a new method, which is called passion programming, which is really just... We helped her frame and package what her process of coaching is and yeah. called the passion programming. So, um, so, so easy. She's easily closing clients now because no one's ever heard of it. And like, you know, this t- it took a lot of, it took months just so you know, no bullshit here. It didn't happen overnight. It took months. Yeah. Um, that was her pace. And that's what we had to do. My point though is we started with what problem she's, she's interested in. If I, if I imagine I started her and she had, she's like, I'm a life coach. I just know how to overcome any beliefs. And I'm like, so what age group do you want to work with? Of uh, 18 to 37.5. Okay. <laughs> what region? Uh, only north of Ontario. I'm like, well, how stupid is that? Demographic yeah. means nothing. Yeah. Demographic is only where to find your niche. Mm. <laughs> Did you hear that? There's nobody there. Psychographic. Wow. Huge. Is actually defining your who. Demographic is finding out where that who is. Wow. That's going into module two. Lauren, write that down. Virtual Lauren in the universe, write that down. Like that when, was good. when I train That's the coach. That's so true. Holy shit. When I train the coaches Snap. in my program around niching and finding like positioning in the market, like your, your high ticket problem, is the first thing we focus on yeah. is what's the problem you want to solve? What's Absolutely. that end result you produce? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's reverse engineer. Who's looking for that? Mm-hmm. Who do you connect to that's working, that's looking for that? Mm-hmm. It's exactly how I build my business, right? So, um, yeah, that's that's, that's strong. Psychographic okay, cool. is the who, the person. Yeah. Demographic is getting uh, specific about where they are, where they are, and who they like. What do they look like, and mm-hmm. how old are they? 
But not only until not until you found Psychic Absolutely. Rock. Absolutely. And we could argue even if you're online that where they are doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Um, but here's another big thing. Like, again, no, it doesn't matter if you're running ads. Only, oh, only, only when you get to ads, ads, you need demographics. Yeah. Only when you get to ads, you need demographics. Really, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. if you target a niche problem that you're really good at solving and you attract anyone that has that problem, you fix it. But again, the problem must be specific, must be a high ticket problem, not just anything. Like, you have tall grass, I'm going to come cut it for you. That's not a big of a problem for you to pay me five grand for, right? Yeah. You pay me 20 bucks for that, I'll cut your grass. That's a problem, though, in the marketplace, but it's sitting at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to value. Mm-hmm. The, the problem has to be a high-value problem, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, for my HTC coaches are watching, they like, yo, where's the training for this? I'm making the it's new version. Coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Calma, okay. calma. So, um, <laughs> so you got to start with the problem. Yeah. Mm. And then you reverse engineer, like, which demographic is, is having this problem the most, blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope that helps. Great. So for both Katie and Jacob, who are on opposite sides of the spectrum there with this niche question, so can I be too specific or, um, you know, I can help everyone, I want to go vague, start with everything that Armin just talked about. Yeah. That'll give you the basis. You can help everyone if you try to help everyone. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you, help, if you try to help everyone, you help nobody. Yep. No one on this planet... Helps everybody. Yeah. Other than gurus, and gurus don't have a very specific profit-driven model. So if Absolutely. you're in business to earn an income to support your family, yourself, and others, that is not what you try to do. You, you want to be Mother Teresa, you don't become a coach. Tony Robbins has a niche. Guess who it is? Entrepreneurs. That is his primary niche. People that are saying most of the time in his seminars are people in business. How do you know? Oh, well, let's look at the fact that his value ladder at the end of it is a $10,000 business mastery program. Why would you think he would make a product to sell if he didn't have the market for it? Yeah. Because his Unleash the Power Within uh, seminars, his most his funnel you know, filler, is filled with the majority of people that are trying to get into business mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs. That's why they're there because they value that stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean he doesn't have students and parents and all that. Of course he does. But see, that's the trick, right? Choose your niche and then the, the, the ripple effect of the people around that niche will come too. Absolutely. Will come. Yeah. Okay. But that's a long-term thing. Short-term, you got to find that person that you can help and find 10 versions of them and charge 5 to 10K because, you know, that's a whole other story because somebody you're like, I have to work up to 5 to 10K. That's not how high ticket works. You choose a problem that's that's expensive. It doesn't matter if you've worked up to it or not. If you, if you choose a low-ticket problem, you can't charge high ticket anyways no matter how long you do it. That's why people get stuck at charging $300 a product, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. And a lot of you are undercharging a, fi- a high to get coaching anyways. Because you're undercharging, you think that is what's normal. No, no, no. You're subnormal. You're not doing it properly. Armin is reading my mind today because he's going into the questions I'm about to ask next with like concept conceptually. So ne- the next question is, if my niece isn't high paying, should I change it? Who's your niece? My niche. My, who are my nieces? I've got That's why we say niche. Shout out my nieces. <laughs> but if, if my niche isn't high paying, should I change it? That question is from Maxwell. Uh, of course. But there's two problems here. Is Are they not paying you high because you don't know how to charge? Or are they actually not a high-paying audience? And that's a different question. And if the problem is if you don't know how to charge high, take it. No matter where you go, you're going to take that shit with you. Ooh, snap. But the only – okay, so let's find out. Cause, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, how do you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. If the problem, okay, think about it like this. If the cost of the problem you solve as a coach yeah. is more expensive than like 10 grand, if they don't fix it, like example, marriage can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars if you don't fix 
Divorce, right? Divorce, yeah. Um, emotionally, if you don't lose, even financially though, if you don't lose weight and you get worse, it can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars medically, cost your life. That is far more expensive than 10 grand. Um, in business, if you don't fix a business that's working, you have to bankrupt, that costs a lot of money, a lot of time. Time, money, and emotional capacity, these are things like time and emotional capacity far outweigh money. But you can also quantify the, the cost of the problem if you buy money as well. Everything has a cost. If you don't pay a little bit now to learn how to get in shape, you're going to pay a lot later to get back in shape. Fact. Right? Mm -hmm. If you don't do your due diligence now to, to become healthy, you're going to pay 100 times more to heal yourself when you're sick. Yep. It's a cost of the problem. So if it's that, and you're charging less than five, five is the bottom of the barrel, then you are already undercharging. You're the problem. Okay? You just don't, you don't believe in your own product. Because yeah. you're like, oh, it's worth like a thousand. No, 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 no. That's your problem. So you don't change your audience. Mom? I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's Jen. Jen's calling me. Shout out Jen. Hey, Jen. You don't change your audience because now you're just going to take your low ticket mindset somewhere else. Now. If you're trying to help someone that physically you know, now listen, here's a big difference. They physically do not have, or logically can't make sense of why you would have five to 10 grand to put into it. I'm not talking about they have it saved up because nobody budgets for investing into themselves. Remember that. Yeah. Nine out of 10 clients, we get into our program, we're ready for the investment. It's not, that's not a reason why you don't do it. Nobody's waiting around. Like, nobody taught you growing up, like, make sure you save 10% to put back into yourself when you grow up. Like, you're not, <laughs> no one can technically can afford coaching. It doesn't, that's not how you look at it. Where's your right? personal development account? Honestly. <laughs> everybody can't afford it. Just think of it like that. Yeah. Okay. So in that case, that becomes an irrelevant factor. Now mm -hmm. you look at this. Can you make sense logically of why, how this person could pay you? High ticket? Then it is. Example. When I work with coaches, they're obviously in business. They want to make money. They have to have money. To be running a business. And if they have no money and they're running a business, that is a very problem in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So when I charge what I charge for what I do, I'm like, well, you're going to make more money on it. But you're also going to fix your time, fix your life, fix your thinking, fix everything. The cost is way more than what I charge if you don't fix this. So I know I can charge what I charge because I'm like, well, if a coach is in business, they have to have something or a willingness to invest into that business. There's, and if they're not, that is their primary problem already. That's why they're broke in their business. Because they don't understand their business requires investment. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, but if I'm working with like 18-year-old kids, okay, now it's a problem. No 18-year-old kid has high-ticket money to put into anything because they don't logically have jobs at that point most of the time. They're in school. The parents use so, so then, yes, that audience cannot be a high-ticket audience. That's why we don't work with people that are not the primary source of their income like in their life. Okay. So... You have to know the cost of the problem. The value of the problem has to be over 5K. And the audience, you have to logically make sense of how they would be able to pay you. For yeah. example, if you're anything over 25, to some degree, I know you have lines of credit, credit cards, or money saved up, or a job. Yep. So anything over 25, you can afford it to some degree. Now, demographically, you work in a part, you live in a part of the country that is extremely poor. That's just a geographical thing. Like you live somewhere where it's extremely poor. If someone's on food stamps, obviously, I wouldn't make an offer, life coaching. People on like in poverty or in uh, they have food stamps or on welfare. Like it makes sense. I want to create a coaching program. How to take people out of welfare to getting a you know to break it out. Like I wouldn't do that. Now some of you might disagree with this, but I, I don't know how you can. This is way more ethical in my perspective. 
If you're going to help people that cannot get the help, you should do that for free. I don't know how you could argue that with me. I think it's a shittier thing to charge $500 yeah. to a person who's legitimately financially struggling and is poor and like is on food stamps than to charge $50,000 to a business owner or an adult that wants to change their life. I think that that's a huge claim. Mm-hmm. You are, it is morally wrong to try to make money from a person who genuinely does not have money. That's messed up. Okay. And the only reason why you would be charging a low ticket to a low ticket audience, why? Because you're thinking still low. You're low ticket. You still think poor. I'm not going to name names, but I know one person. No matter how much I would tell this person, you got to charge this much. What you do is worth so much more. Because they themselves were poor thinking and they couldn't, they were dealing with poverty in their own head. They would only attract poor people and get poor offers and get poor results and poor everything. So I'm like, man, you need your own life coach first before you get a business coach. Mm-hmm. Ironic. How do I charge such high ticket? I sold up to $55,000 programs because I'm a client of these things, guys. You go, but Army, you didn't have the money in the beginning. I made the money. I found it. Like, there is no reality where you cannot figure something out. And if you can't find out how to find money to put into something that's going to make you more money, you have a personal issue, not a financial issue. You are lacking the creativity that it takes not only to succeed in a business, but just to fix your own goddamn problems. And if you can't do that, holy fuck. Forgive me, God, for putting holy and fuck in the same sentence. You got another thing coming. You're delusional. I'm sorry. You're delusional. Okay. You have to build at least one skill. It's called resourcefulness. You don't build that. You're, you're screwed for the rest of your life. You are screwed. Because life is a net business specifically is a never-ending constant flow of problems. The only thing that makes it easier is you get better at solving them. You can't avoid them. Arguably, life is almost the same thing. It is a constant, never-ending never, never flow of challenges to test you to grow. And if you do not have the skill and the willingness and the talent to understand and work on yourself to get good at solving them and overcoming barriers, you will not succeed in your life no matter what you put your mind to. So, you know what's funny? When I get on sales calls, or my team does now, and someone says, well, I don't have the money, I go, yeah, we know. Okay, so... You weren't saving up this huge chunk of money for us. Like, nobody budgets to fail in their business. Nobody budgets to pay for the person to come fix it. Nobody budgets for anything. That's the whole problem in and of itself. But that makes no difference to us. What are you going to do? This is literally how we talk to you on a call. If you're serious about wanting to work with us, what are you going to do? Oh, well, uh... Well, you know what answer we don't accept? Oh, I'm just going to go continue to keep doing what I was doing up until that got me here. And then when I magically figure it out, as if that makes any logical sense, I'll come back to pay you to help me figure it out. No, no, no. Now, you got, you got problems up here. That's what's going on. You don't understand. You are totally either ignorant towards your own issue or you're deliberately ignoring your own logic because that makes no logical sense, okay? So we become, we say, okay, here's a ways to be resourceful. And in my, my whole thing is this. When I used to take my own calls with like potential people that don't want to work with me, I would, and I did this with Oscars. If Oscars here, Oscar remembers, I'm like, dude, like your coaching starts now. Yeah. If you don't know how to go find some money, to pay for the thing you know is going to help you, you shouldn't be buying a business program. 
you should be buying a mindset program. Because you've yet to understand how to develop the characteristic of a person that figures things out. I'm like, if you don't know how to come up with this much money, how are you going to do it in business? What, how are you going to handle a month where you make no sales? How are you going to handle one of your employees turning around and doing something stupid? How are you going to, how are you going to handle a lawsuit one day when you get big enough? So my coaching with you starts in the sales process. Yeah. I'm looking to see if you give a shit enough about your own goals to figure it out. And if you do not, there is no place for you in my program. Because this is a hard thing to do. Business is hard. It is not easy. And if it is, you won't last long. Because however you did it wasn't right. How many people I know made millions overnight? They went to jail. They, they some bullshit happened in their life. They got mm -hmm. they got they got locked up, got put somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Lost it all, lost their own sanity, lost the respect, lost their friends. There is a price for trying to shortcut nature. But I tell them, Marvin. Genetically what? modifying vegetables, trying to shortcut nature. Now it causes cancer and issues in people. Mm. There is a cost for every action. Mm. And an action for every cost. Law of compensation by Emerson. Mm. For everything you put in, you get something out. For everything you lose, you gain. For everything you gain, you lose something. 100%. For me to gain wisdom, I got to lose something else. Immaturity? Yeah. For me to lose wisdom, I got to gain some ego. Mm -hmm. There is a exchange. Question is, what are you exchanging with your future? Because when you got an obstacle in front of you, like, I don't have money. I don't have clients. I don't have this. I don't have that. Great. So when the opportunity arises for you to know how to fix it, what are you willing to exchange? There is no reality where you cannot find money or figure something out. If you were a mother and your child's sick in the hospital, you don't look at the doctor and go, I can't afford that doctor. Sorry, let him go. You don't do that. So snap out of it. Stop bullshitting yourself. Just understand you're lazy and not getting to that level of motivation to do this. And that's a problem with your goal. That's also why I don't like to work with a lot of people. They go, I just want to make three grand a month. Five grand a month, get a job. Why are you in coaching? Honestly, why the hell are you in coaching? Why are you building an entire business to make minimum wage income? I don't get it. I, someone make sense of this to me. Please make sense. Why someone wouldn't just find a 40, 40 hour a week job, yeah. get paid two to three grand by just showing up and getting some work done for somebody. Why they wouldn't do that over... Then, for some reason, thinking it will be somewhat easier or to the same level of effort to go make five grand in a, in their own business in a month. Yep. Yep. We gotta wrap it up. Tell me in the comments. Yes. Yeah, so uh, da 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 da. Upton. <laughs> Upton. So passionate from miles away. Uh, Adam said it's important to have a resourceful mindset. We've got some fire emojis. We've got some claps. Got some love. You got anything? Not from you. Oh no! Yeah, not, not so with uh, with your with your sermon just now. Yeah. Ooh. All the points. I'm taking. <laughs> I'm taking tithe. <laughs> Sunday service. Sunday service. Monday. Pay your due diligence. Pay your dues. We gotta pay for rent. <laughs> no, honestly, um, man, you. T so I'm gonna piss someone off. So many. I might piss someone off. If, I mean, if you're upset. No, no, I'm gonna say something. I might piss someone off. Lauren said. Lauren says maybe for some it's not all about the money. I didn't say it's all about the money. I'm just talking specifically about money. Yeah. And Lauren, if you want, just tell me what you mean by that. Because I want to clarify. Yeah. We're just talking about money. I'm not saying, just because it, here's another big misconception in the market. Just because someone focuses on a topic for more than 15 minutes doesn't mean they, they're implying indirectly everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I'm a fitness coach, I'm talking to you just about how to lift better. I'm not saying nutrition is irrelevant. I'm just talking about this part first. Absolutely. There is a massive part of a business mm-hmm. should be the money because that literally is the life. That's like saying, well, when you're talking about the body, it's not about the blood only. Mm-hmm. Well, the blood runs the body. Heart pumps it out. You can't survive without it. Money is the bloodline and the lifeline of a business. So if you're not money focused to some degree, you should not be in a business. That's that's, that's pretty much, it's economics. What'd she say? She hasn't responded yet. I might piss someone off. I gotta say this. Churches would do way more moral duty learning how to profitably build a business and then actually serving sermons for free instead of tithing. That's my take on it. Never made sense to me. Never made sense. What's stopping a, a pastor, a preacher, uh, uh, a sheikh? No, a sheikh doesn't count. What's the Muslim ones? I used to go to a mosque. What are they called? Imams? Yeah, imams. Nothing is stopping them from learning how to financially suffice their own institute mm-hmm. through acts of capitalism, which is a ethical way of exchanging value for money. And then giving and servicing people religiously for free. There is nothing stopping them. Only the lack of desire. And the tastiness of something for nothing. I just do this thing. And hopefully these people will pay for me. That makes no sense to me. That makes no sense. That's how many poor pastors, poor imams, poor people are there trying to teach the word of God, trying to help people become enlightened in life. It is absolutely sad. It's so sad. I pissed someone off, but it's sad. Hey, maybe. Um, Lauren says, gotcha, I hear what you're saying. And Adam says, people think they'll be more free owning a business making 40k a year. (laughs) People are mistaken. (laughs) People are wrong. People were lied to. People are completely ignorant. Yeah, honestly, it's like... That's like saying... I want to give a good... That's like saying... Hold on. I just want to get down the street. Yeah. I like my bike. It doesn't go fast enough. I want to go 10 kilometers faster. Yeah. So I'm going to go through months of engineering mechanically an engine, building an entire car... All the parts, putting in the money, going into debt, finding the, the parts, putting it together, six months of building a car from scratch, mm-hmm. so I can drive 10 kilometers faster than my bike and get down the street. Sips coffee. <laughs> I'm trying to bite my tongue. Who the fuck spread that idea? I was a victim of it. Yeah. Were we? Yeah, of course. Years ago when we started our own entrepreneurship? Yeah. Right, yo, we'll make more money than a job and have no boss. Yeah. Wrong profession to get into, buddy. You know what you should do if you want to do 40K with more freedom? Not even because freedom is very subjective. 
To me, freedom is doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whomever you want, and as much as you want. There's a lot of wants in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. A fully functional, systematized, streamlined business can give you all that. Can give you all that. A half-ass, self-employed, small business can, doesn't give you all that. Mm -hmm. You're still strapped to time. Yeah. You're still strapped to a lot of things. Yeah. It gives you one form of freedom. Mm -hmm. Nobody tells you what to do. That is a very cheap form of freedom compared to all the other freedoms. Yeah. Financial freedom, time freedom, emotional freedom. Mm -hmm. Egotistical freedom? Don't tell them what to do. That is a dumb motive. I'm serious. I was that guy. I was literally going to say the entire, like, when you when you mentioned, yeah, like, that was how we started. I'm like, yeah, because we had a lot of ego. <laughs> it was just ego. Yeah, like, we don't work for someone. <laughs> it was really just, I'm, I'm, it was ego manifesting, it was ego manifesting itself. We wanted to just say, yeah. we were in business for ourselves. What a stupid goal. Mm -hmm. What a high cost. Very high. Years. Years mm -hmm. of effort, failure, waste, just so much. Just so we can prove something. Something. Just the freedom of, freedom from like, not even freedom from your opinion, just like bullshit. It's, 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 yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah. Delusional freedom. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't have to do anything. But then again, I'm also broke. Oh, shit. Then again, I'm working 12, 16 hours a day. I'm working 15 hours a day. Then again, I'm not sleeping. To pay for my $500 office. Legit. Just so I can not have someone tell me what to do. Wow. Like, wow. if we if we could tell you guys That's stories, a younger issue. It's a younger issue. If when we, you get older, you're not that stupid. Exactly. But like, we gotta be stupid when we're young. No, but but think about but think about think like really, let's go here for a second of this archetype of individual. Is that what I'm saying anything, by the way? Uh no, he just laughed. But really, let's think about this archetype of person, right? You don't want to, you don't ever want to listen to whatever anybody else is doing. You want to do what you want when you want. You want to be able to make all this money. You just want freedom from uh, authority. Really? But guess what? There's a bigger authority than your boss. It's called life. And that authority is going to beat you to the ground when you get out there and try to play with it. Yeah. If the, pur if the purpose isn't, if it, the purpose isn't true, if the ducks aren't all aligned, you're going to find yourself being that person who's who's got five side hustles, you sleep four hours a night, you never eat well, Preach. you can't find a minute to work out, Preach. you're eating fuck... <laughs> you're eating five dollar biryanis <laughs> and, and, and medium walking pizza! Shout out! For pizza pizza! Trying to, you're trying to hedge food. We're getting... We're drinking... This is uh, um, This was us. This was five years ago. Six five years ago. Not when we started this business. No, no, no. Prior to my coaching business, we had another... Trying to do some bullshit. Trying to do some bullshit. Bullshit. Cheers to that. <laughs> From bullshit to real villages. What's up? Not not sleeping. Not eating well. Drinking energy drinks. No coffee, guidance or direction. No guidance. No or, definite. No end. definiteness on any mother. No definite end. Mother mother thing. No no real mentors. No idea. No idea. No wisdom. No wisdom. No, too no real good, skills. Too good. Too good to. Too good to put, give somebody money to teach us jack shit. We we can do it all on three YouTube and do books. YouTube and books. I can torrent the course. I don't need to pay for anything. What? No skill set. Yeah. No actual high income skills that that can produce money. Just it was just ego and bullshit. No practical knowledge. We can e keep going. Ego and bullshit. Okay. No sense of humility. No. No confidence. All insecurity. Drive, not, literally, like not not spending time to really do anything else. Literally. No productivity towards anything actually that's going to be created. What is what is Adam saying? Is he laughing? What's it, what's that down there? Adam Adam is uh, he's he laughed before, but he just came back on. Yeah. 
yeah, no, like guys. No, Adam said uh, people think they'll be more free yeah, now I, in the business. Yeah, I said right? that earlier. Or making 40K a month. No, you're more free in a job. You're mo way more free in a job. You're more free in a minimum wage job with only eight hours because you have another eight hours. When yourself. you clock out, it ends. It's okay. like you get out of a job to work. Uh, you get out of a job that makes you work eight hours a, eight hours a day to work sixteen hours a day to make the same amount of income for the next five years until it actually makes you more money. That's literally the, the, the he said, he transaction. Forty k a month. So obviously no, 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 forty k a year. No, he changed it to forty k a year. Yeah. Oh, a year. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what is that? I was like, no, this is amazing. No, but guys, please, 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 please don't do it. No, like because one of us goes in and we all go through. No. No, like, don't, please, if you think that a business is your, t is, like... No, it's not. It's your ticket to... No, 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 hold on, hold on. A business to only make less than 20, like, 50 grand is not your ticket to freedom. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. genuinely not. It's stupid. You're working twice the amount of hours to make the same money. Also, you can have illusional freedom, like, oh, someone doesn't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, then again, you have the worst boss then, is yourself. Trust me, you're not going to like that boss more. What are you going to do to complain? Are you gonna Are you gonna work on your your bo new boss's hours yourself? <laughs> you're gonna take You're gonna take a longer shit during your break so you can get paid per the hour. You can't you can't take it out of you. You can't cheat yourself. You can't. None of the things that you use at a traditional job. Maybe I'll just you know clock in a little early, get a little paid. Complaining. Like, all of the fucking things. Oh, I try not. You to can't swear. do it. You, you can't, can't do, it, do it when you're running a business. And if you do it in a business, that's why your business sucks. And it sucks. I'm assuming your business sucks if you think that way already. I don't need to know. I just already assume it. Adam, Here's another thing. Here's the other funny thing. We're also talking about building an actual, sustainable, real business the right way. Because yeah. there are so many wrong ways to, to build a business. Wrong. Like, then a lot of people go out with their employee thinking or their just lack of experience. Like, not too good to pay someone to learn. They go out and build a business and they do it completely. We're pissing lights off. That's what's <laughs> happening. We're dropping lights, not mics. <laughs> We're dropping lights. That was a light that fell. Was an energy, my energy blasting these lights back. So, are we still going? Okay. Yeah. So, then some people go out and they go and build a business where now every client they get is their boss. Yeah. So, now they went from one boss and no responsibility with an income yeah. to like dozens of bosses mm -hmm. to almost the same or less income mm -hmm. with a maximum responsibility because everything you take, if I take five grand from a customer... I owe them five grand of value more now. That's responsibility. Yep. So I ba my bank of responsibility also increases with my bank account. Mm -hmm. But in an employee job, when you're giving more value yep. and you take more responsibility, like minuscule, they'll pay you more for that. Mm -hmm. So you get paid with still a segment of the responsibility because there's a whole system happening. Yep. So the point, the owner of that business that hired you took the responsibility off your hands. That's why they also make the profit because they also lasted longer to get to that point. My point is, you go become a self-employed person, not even a real business owner, self-employed. How most coaches go out there and start, they just start trading time for money, one-on-one -on -one coaching, mm -hmm. they charge a little bit by little bit. So now every client is their boss because every client's telling them like how they want things and how they want it. Especially, and that's just, coaching is a little bit more forgiving. When you get into the real business world, like, like DJs and contractors, you can go ahead. DJs, contractors, renovators, um, anyone that does like freelance work, yeah. every client you sign up is your boss. They're going to treat you as if they're your boss. Mm -hmm. How do I know? I've hired graphic designer and people like that. I'm their employer for that contract. Yep. So now you're selling yourself away to 12 contracts, mm -hmm. uh, employers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And making maybe twice the amount at a, at a job. Or, and that's really if you have poverty amounts, you don't know how to charge a lot. At least if you charge a lot, you can say you can justify it. I make mm -hmm. 30 grand a month. 
doing funnels for somebody, like for five people. Sure, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But again, now you have a responsibility to deliver. Now, no matter what you're going to deliver, but in the model that we built yeah. sust- system- sustainably, yeah. I leverage all the responsibility on my clients to get the work done because I have a training that gives them what they need. Okay? So, and I have a team, so we all, we all share the responsibility. So there's a lot less workload, a lot less pressure, a lot less responsibility for a lot more money, a lot less time commitment, and just and fulfillment. I actually enjoy this. Yeah. Let alone the fact that you could go out there and do it all wrong. Nobody ever accounts for the fact that they might actually be miserable doing the thing they just built. Yep. And that becomes the real scary thing because now you built this whole thing and you're like, I need Tony Robbins because my life sucks. Yeah. We know. We know. We know those people. Adam commented and he said, I think people see social media, they think it's cool, and they think of the four-hour work week. I haven't read the book. I'm not going to say anything. I haven't read the book either, I, so I'm not going to say I read anything. a part of it. Yeah. The, the, the illusion is that people think it's a four-hour work week where they are doing everything within four hours, but it's actually not. The whole book is about delegating it yeah. to another person. Mm-hmm. Which is a skill to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's just business. That's just, you that's don't have a business until yeah. you're delegating. Yeah. You're self-employed until you're delegating. So it's not really four-hour work week. doesn't mean you can't leverage. Like, again, I only do six hours of coaching a week. When I come to like things in my business, like this, I spend no time setting up, right? I just mm-hmm. show up. Okay. But there's like, what I'm saying is, man, there's so many moving parts to this. My point is, don't go into a business thinking, go have more time for you. Yeah. At least for the first three years. And that's, that's being gracious. Three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You could also do it wrong. Like, there's so many things you got to learn to become the person that provides jobs. There's years of wisdom and knowledge and failure you need to go through. Yeah. Because that's leadership responsibility. Now, you're going from a person who's employer, employee to employer, mm-hmm. person that has job to provide jobs. There's a massive curve of yeah. learning, yeah. massive time of building things. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like saying, um, I'm going to go from renting. Yeah. An apartment yeah. to building my own house. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. 100%. Just re- realize it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer. No instant gratification. You can't complain if the house is shit because mm-hmm. you built it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one's complained to. Yeah. Your full responsibility is every part of that house succeeding. Yeah. Whereas in renting, there's a landlord, is that? Mm-hmm. You, don't, you have one part of the responsibility paying, showing up. That's it. Just understand. You're going from... A massive part of the world is a small part of the world. That small part of the world is the reason why it's small. Because it's hard. Now, if I have scared the complete bejesus out of you, that means you were not meant to do this yet. You should not be doing business. If that scared you. Yeah. That whole talk scared you. Now, if you listen to everything we just said and you go, I can do this, mentally and characteristically, you were made for this so far. Because a real entrepreneur, real leader, looks at this stuff and goes, that's exciting. Just watch me do it. That's the only requirement. You need to have will, desire, courage. It ain't easy. Anything else before we wrap up? Honestly, I think we can wrap up. Honestly, uh, I got a couple more questions, but we'll just funnel them into next week. But, uh, wow, what a show. Isaiah's going to cut out some stuff out of this. What a good show today. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us again on Clear Talk Monday, every single Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're on YouTube and you like this episode, hit the subscribe button. 
and follow us so you can get some more free goodies like this. If you're in the Facebook group, make sure you hit that like button. Invite some of your friends that are coaches that can benefit from me in this community. And also leave a comment down below with your number one takeaway with the show today. And uh, if you want your questions answered on the show, you go to askarmin.com. Submit your questions, and we will answer them live on the show. That's how we get them over there. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? There's nothing else, right? Nothing else, no. Thank you for coming today. If I pissed you off, good. If I didn't <laughs> piss you off and I inspired you, good. Either way, we're good. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Make the rest of your week the best of your week.